0: Welcome to Clarity to launch the podcast. I'm your host, Natanya Bravo, founder of The Bravo Life, business and mindset coach, and a woman on a mission to help you acknowledge that internal whisper and gain the clarity you need to launch a life you truly love. Years ago, I followed my own whisper and took a leap of faith, leaving behind a six-figure salary and everything I knew to fulfill a one-day dream of moving to Paris. That one tough decision led me to creating a seven-figure business, marrying the love of my life, and helping thousands of women use their passions to uncover their purpose and create the income and impact they were born to. It all boiled down to one decision. Was I going to keep telling myself one day or make today, day one? Now it's your turn to decide. Clarity to Launch is here to give you the tools you need to guide you along the way. All you have to do is decide. So are you ready? It's time to launch the life you are going to live.
1: Elizabeth, welcome on Clarity to Launch the podcast. I am so excited to have you on today.
2: Hi, Natanya. Me too.
1: This is, how long ago did we first meet? I can't even remember now. Oh my goodness.
2: I mean, it's probably a decade.
1: Yeah. And I, most of you that listen know that I used to work in brand marketing and experiential marketing in New York and LA. And Elizabeth was one of my clients when I worked at Pop Sugar, my last full-time job. And I actually, how did I see, oh yes, I was on an app and I was signing up for an event and I was like, I know this Elizabeth, this, and she was hosting this amazing breakfast for inspiring conversations with other female entrepreneurs, which I'm all about, and got a chance to reconnect with you there. And I'm just so excited to see both of our journeys since that time, you know, almost a decade ago when we were both on very different paths. Um, that have led us to exactly where we are today. So I'd love for you to share who you are and what you do.
2: Mm, Thank you. Um, And before I do that, like I was thinking about our conversation today and how it it came to be, Yeah. our paths crossed again, and how it was, you know, it's so easy sometimes to look back and go, oh my God, everything's changed since then, Mm -hmm. right? Like since when we met, whenever it was a decade ago or whatever, we work in totally different industries. We live in different cities. Like it, like there's so we're both mamas now. There's so much that has shifted and yet nothing felt so monumental at the time. It was just literally like one step and then the yeah. next step and then the next step. So it's, I, I don't know, I think it's a really special uh, treat to have someone in your life that knew you back when yes. you can kind of do that with, because at the time that transformation is happening in our lives, it doesn't feel always so big mm-hmm. and like momentous. It just feels like the next thing that's presenting itself that I'm just doing the next thing and the next thing. And of course, all those things build up And a real shift happens.
1: Yeah, but I love that you just said that. First of all, because I created this platform for those little steps, because we get so bombarded by the big thing Mm -hmm. that we're like, "What do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" And exactly, you literally just said it perfectly. Like it's the little steps and what is presented in front of you. You're so right. It's it's very true that in hindsight, if we look at the accumulation of the last what you've done in the last ten years, what I've done, it's like, wow, your life has completely changed. But in the moment it didn't present like that so yeah i love that you said that so elegantly
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a good reminder to to myself too, you know, because we're never really done growing until we're dead. So there's always more, right. There's more work that we want to do in the world. There's more that I desire for myself, for my family, for my life, for my contribution. And so in that like desiring of more, I can see so clearly (laughs) the more that I want. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to fall for the fantasy sometimes of, oh, like this one thing is going to happen, or one fell in one fell swoop. Yeah. Then, right? <laughs> and miracles happen, and and that is totally a way. And it's I believe that it's possible for big changes to happen swiftly, mm-hmm. and that's not usually how it goes. And so instead of really like falling for the fantasy of like the big monumental thing that's going to change it all and get me even closer you know to the next step it's like oh no but it doesn't usually work like that it's usually the like the one foot in front of the other like Mm -hmm. leading you and then you wake up and it's sometime later and you look back and you go wow yeah love it
1: you've literally just shifted all of our perspectives. And we haven't even heard who you are and what you do yet. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone listening, um, you probably are like, who is this woman? And I I will say all that she's saying, obviously, we all logically know is true, but both of us have done it and can truly say to you, like, that really is the, the quote unquote work that I think we're all trying to figure out is these little shifts and also recognizing that who you are today, what your life looks like today has literally no impact on what you get to create for tomorrow unless you decide that it does. And I also think in what you were saying about we're all trying to figure out the big thing, the big shift, most of the times the things that you can see in your current environment, that's actually not the thing that you actually want as a big shift. You don't actually, you can't figure out the big shift from your actual environment. You can just figure out the next little step, which I think is oftentimes what keeps us swirling and stuck in cycles and living the same year after year after year, because we're trying to figure out this big thing in an environment that it's just not, you can't even see it. It's like trying to see the other side of a mountain from one side that you're on, like just take the next step up the mountain. And eventually you'll be able to see what's on the other side.
2: Yes, totally. There's this beautiful analogy that is, um, is where you visualize yourself standing at the bottom of the mountain. And there's like a pool of water, right? That's like trickle down from the top of the mountain and your feet are in this pool of water, but because it's come from all the way up the mountain, it's, dirty and it's collected debris and it's muddy and it's not clear and you can't see your own feet in the water. And it's like, we're all just standing in the muck, like, like looking through, like, is it this idea? Is it that idea? should I do do that. Like, and it's the same stuff in the the pool because it's pulled up. Like it's not moving anymore. Right. And really like how narrow-minded we can be when we do that, because if we just, to your point, look up the mountain. Like there's so many more possibilities than what we see in this tiny little pool of like our own usual thoughts (laughs) and ideas, you know? And it's like, it's, I don't know, to me, it's a constant practice to just remind myself of like, there's so much more that I can't even see. There's so much more possible. That's not even registering on my radar
1: doesn't even exist in your world yet there are conversations you will have people you will meet ideas that will be downloaded that you can't possibly have from your current perspective but it requires just one little shift and then the next little shift Mm -hmm. but it's taking the little shift without knowing what you're shifting to that is often what keeps us paralyzed of like "Uh, no I can't because I don't know what that's going (laughs) to do
2: totally totally and then like over time those little shifts add up And sometimes our like real life situation changes Mm. and sometimes it's our inner world that changes, Yeah, you know, like I, I love when I get to face something that's happening in my world, like a really human thing that's happening, but the way that I meet it is totally different than how I would have handled it Mm -hmm. in the past. Yeah. And then in that moment, like I get to see and feel my own growth in something.
1: Yes. It's
2: like, oh, awesome.
1: Yeah. I was just talking about this to two friends. Two of my friends are going through really big breakups right now, and they both have recognized how much they have grown. It still sucks. It's still, you know, there's still moments of doubt and shame and rejection and all the rest of it. But they're like, if this was five years ago, I would be like, on the floor whatever like not okay and i'm just really acknowledging myself for having shifted my inner world as you just said to now react to this outward situation that's happening in a whole new way and that you know that's a relationship that could be a work situation that could be anything but it's so true and that is growth, right? It's not just learning things, but how are you actually applying it when real life work situations happen? Okay. Elizabeth, you have to tell the people what, what what do you do? Tell us, tell us what you do.
2: (laughs) So I have been an entrepreneur for over 13 years and I never set out to become an entrepreneur. Mm. It is something that happened because I got really stuck I felt I felt really stuck yeah um, is really the the right language not I got stuck. I felt stuck um, in my job in an in industry and you know I had there were other job opportunities and you know places that I could go and conventional career paths that I could keep climbing the ladder on. but none of that felt exciting to me and so. For a while, I did nothing about that and just kind of stayed a little stuck and complacent. um, I was a partner at a creative agency in New York at the time. And then one day, my husband, um, who we weren't married at the time, but we were living together. He's an artist. And whenever he starts a new painting, he clears out. We have a big dining room table and he would clear it out and get out every single paint color he owned. And he would go into this like painting vortex for uh, sometimes days. Mm. And he'd be like blasting music and painting away. And this particular time, it was a uh, snowstorm in New York. So there was nowhere to go. Um, And usually I would have kind of grabbed a, a book or a magazine and poured myself a glass of wine and just kind of enjoyed being in the Uh, the atmosphere of this creativity, but because I was so stuck and so complacent, that frustration built up. And I was like, I can't sit here with a glass of wine. Like I want to make something too. Mm. And I had really lost touch with my own creative outlets um, because I was, you know, really hyper-focused on being a professional and working and, you know, adulting. And, and, um, and so when I went to write, which is my creative outlet as writing, I didn't know what to write about except for my work, (laughs) which is, you know, there's a certain sadness to that, but it worked out how it was, how it was meant to. And I wrote about, uh, you know, at the time at the agency, I was the head of the fashion and luxury accounts And so I I wrote about how all these fashion and luxury brands were having a really challenging time um, being online and figuring out how, how do we stay exclusive when digital and online is the opposite of that, because anybody can come to our website or buy something from anywhere in the world, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so in my work, I was focused on kind of the intersection between fashion and luxury and technology. So I wrote about that and I wrote about it on a blog. I started a WordPress blog and the first article that I published that day was I titled Prada's anti-digital approach to digital, which is like, now I say that out loud. And I'm like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but at the time that was really like my world. Um, and I hit the publish button and didn't ever think anybody would find it or read it. I I didn't think twice about it. I wrote it for myself yeah. as a release for a lot of that pent-up um stagnation. And two days later, Prada called me and they said, we read this article. Will you come in and meet with us? What um, did you think when
1: it was a joke? I'd be like,
2: <laughs> I it really Prada. I I I don't know if I it dawned on me to think that it was a joke at yeah. the time, but I was totally taken aback. I was shocked. I was like, "Whoa!" And then, you know, very quickly uh, after that, the next, you know, thought or two was like, "Oh shit! What did I say?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, Dude. and taking that meeting, and there were other things that happened as I continued to write about um, those things and publish them on my blog that that showed me like, "Wow, there's something to this." Mm. And so I created, um, I really created it as a side project and I hired a designer and a developer and I built out, um, my WordPress blog so that it looked like a legitimate online publication. And I brought contributors on and they were writing too. And, you know, just by sharing my voice in a public forum, it's so amazing how that allows people to find you. And that's what happened is that people started finding me and I negotiated a four day work week at the agency instead of a five day work week. So I had more time and, um, and then that wasn't enough. And then I left and went off on my own to like, to take this personal project and really pursue it as a business. And so my business for many years was consulting fashion at the, this intersection of fashion, luxury, and technology. And I had a lot of really big name clients like Chanel and Google and Facebook and American express and Christian Dior. And it was like my client roster, read right? Like the who's who of like September Vogue and like Silicon Valley, you know, and it was really cool and really exciting um, until it wasn't mm. until it felt to me like, wow, I became an entrepreneur for like the freedom and because I was so inspired But really now that I'm years in, even though my company is successful on the outside, I don't feel satisfied inside Mm. and I don't see a way out of this. And I built this myself and I I experienced my company, not as like a vessel for freedom, but really as a pressure cooker. Mm. And that was really hard because I didn't know where to turn. You know, I think when you get stuck or you feel like you're in the pressure cooker, and you have a company culture or a boss to blame it on, then it's like easier in yeah. a way. But when it's of your own doing, you know, it really forced me to start looking inward and go, "What inside is motivating my decisions? Is leading me to to this place where?" I'm successful and not satisfied. And I my business is a pressure cooker for me.
1: Mm.
2: And so at that that was really the beginning of um, a very self-directed um education and exploration in understanding myself better and the world. And so I did lots of things um, in that on that journey, I did things like meditate on surfboards in the Pacific ocean and go on retreat um, and stay in yurts on remote islands and raise my fist in the air at Tony Robbins and walk on hot coals and hire business coaches and mentors and join masterminds because I was so um, determined to really like see what was there Because I didn't want to keep perpetuating those same patterns. Like I knew I wanted to stay an entrepreneur because anything else to me feels like death. (laughs) Like, you know, so I knew I was invested in being an entrepreneur, but I wanted a different way. I I didn't want to keep subscribing to this like hustle culture. You know, the entrepreneurial hustle is what is modeled out there in the world. And I just refused to pay that price. And so I didn't know if it was possible to be successful and do it another way. Mm-hmm. And so I invested the equivalent of a Harvard MBA on my own kind of personal journey. And um, and through that, found my way out of the pressure cooker um, and began coaching other women entrepreneurs and leading masterminds for women entrepreneurs. Now I have uh, a private membership for women entrepreneurs that is really focused on the inner experience of being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and really caring for that as a motive of self-care, but also as a motive of business investment. Because when you're the entrepreneur, you're your company's biggest asset. And if you're running around kind of pretending that you're really confident, but inside feeling like the self-doubt spiral is just right there, then- you're not doing yourself or your company or your bank account or your clients, any um, you're not doing them a, a real service. So to so being able to slow down and honor what's really happening for you inside, like the emotional underbelly of entrepreneurship, um, I believe is really important. And so that's what my work focuses on now.
1: Yes. There's so many things that I want to go back to. The first was something you said very early on. and. Um, I'm going to paraphrase, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you started to say I was stuck and then you caught yourself as I often do. And you said, no, I felt stuck because I am imagining and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you now have a perspective of understanding that being stuck is often a choice that we decide. And we're never truly stuck. If we like, get out the mud, as you said earlier and look around, uh, how, Or when do you feel like you had that realization? Is that something that a lot of us just say automatically? Now I catch myself, but I still do say it sometimes, like how you did early on. But at a certain point, I really believed I was stuck, as I'm sure many of us do. At what point do you feel like you learned that? How did you learn that? We're never really stuck.
2: Um, That's such a good question. And I think that the learning... I like the learning came after I got myself unstuck, Mm. you know, like it wasn't, I'm feeling stuck in this job. Oh, wait, I, am I really stuck? Hmm. I'm actually not. Oh, okay. I'll do something else. Like that didn't happen for me. It was more like, I'm stuck. Ooh, ooh, there's this feeling of like, Ooh, I could follow this. Ooh, this project that's leading me. Ooh, this feels like what I want to do next. Okay. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And then in the doing it and the quitting the job and then becoming an entrepreneur and then, you know, being so many years in or getting clients and it's like all those little wins along the way, it was only in slowing down and reflecting back that it's like, oh, I was never really stuck. Yeah. You know? And of course it's, it's like easier to see in other people, right? Like we both like, coach women. Right. So it's always easier to see when someone else is like, Oh, I feel stuck. You're like, no, you're not like totally. You're not stuck. Right. But when it comes to ourselves, it's, you know, it's harder to reflect. Like that's why coaching to me, one of the reasons it's so powerful is like to have somebody reflecting back to you to see things that you're not seeing. It's like, Oh my God, it can be incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred You said something else when you were talking about the starting the blog, the WordPress blog, and watching your husband paint and getting the idea, I'm just going to write about what I know and what I like about what I know. I found that interesting because you, from what I understand, you weren't like, I'm going to go figure out what business I want to create and then buy the domain for that business. You were just going with what you had available to you right now, what you could see from your current environment and what felt a little bit more exciting than what you've been doing. Is that accurate?
2: Totally. It's totally accurate. And like, to me, it's the distinction of operating, being led by your feeling mm-hmm. versus being led by your mind. Yeah. right. Like I've, you know, I'm, I don't know if you have an experience doing this too, but I definitely have so many experiences in the mind, planning things out, yeah. like, you know, for me, I, I like, I like to write on pen and paper more than I do, like, you know, typing out a strategy document or something. So like, I'll just, I'll have a day will go by and I'll have pages and pages of notes of how I'm going to do and what I'm going to do and da And then at the end of the day, I'm like, but I have nothing to show for it, right? <laughs> we can do that all the time, Yeah. Right? And it was like, it was a really hard habit to break, to be like, it's not in that planning that comes from the mind that leads you out of the pressure cooker, that leads you to the next step, or that leads you to the business. It's in the just following your feeling and doing following the idea and just doing it and just doing it and just doing it. And like, you know, even if the idea has nothing to do with business, like if you want to create a business and you're not really sure what it is, or uh, it's not clear yet. It's not about like getting clear on the business. It's about, I don't know, saying yes to whatever calls to you, even if it's a ceramics class and you've never done ceramics before. Yeah. And I it's not
1: piano lessons when I started yeah like I, something has to change. That was the first thing I could think of that sounded exciting. I figured out really quickly, I don't want to learn how to play the piano, but that led me to, and that's something else, right? Yes. Well,
2: cause I think what happens is that it, it can be uh, like an underused muscle an underdeveloped muscle to say yes mm. to the things that call to us when we're adults and we're being responsible and we're being professional yeah. and we think of things in work and then like not work. And so if we want to start a business or get more money going or figure out our next career move, it's like business Mm -hmm. really like following our curiosity gets us in touch with our own creativity. And when we're in touch with our own creativity, we are more in the flow of the universe and ourselves and things flow more from that place. So it's it's like, oh my gosh, you signed up for the piano class, piano lessons. And then it's like it it almost like unblocked something mm-hmm. and allowed it to happen.
1: Like, wow, I can do things just because I want to, not with a specific end goal.
2: Yeah. I think
1: I'd operated so long with check mm-hmm. this box and then do the next thing and what's the next strategy and why are you doing this? And I remember probably about six months after that, I took myself on a solo trip and I spent a week in Tuscany, it was one of the places. And I planned this whole trip and I signed up for this Airbnb experience. And one morning I woke up and the Airbnb experience was going to be at like noon. And I was like, I don't really feel like it, but I already paid for it. So normal me would have been like, no, go to the experience. Go. And I gave myself permission to not go. And I still remember that even though now it's years and years ago, because that was the first time that I like truly did what I want. what does Natania actually want? Sometimes, so many times we say I don't know. I don't. We actually do know. We're just so uh, not used to saying like following what we know. And I remember just like frolicking around Florence and getting gelato. I did nothing productive that day, but it was my best day of my trip because I mm. did what I wanted to do,
2: mm. which is exactly
1: I, what you're saying.
2: Like I think it's in all of these micro moments, mm-hmm. right, that we un- can unblock ourselves. And we can open to a new way, right? Like kind of like at the beginning of um, our conversation, we're talking about these like big moments. We're waiting for the big shift. (laughs) But I really believe so much that it's in how we make decisions in these micro moments to either honor or abandon ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and like trying something new, just like you did. I love that example um, because I think it's so, it's so relatable, because everybody, all day long, there's a barrage of decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And often, whatever the voice is from deep inside, not like the voice in our head, but yeah. the deep inside voice that's like saying something else, We, our culture is in this practice of like stuffing it down. Mm-hmm. And then the mind voice comes in. It's like, no, just plow through. Oh, you said you would do it. So do it. Like, oh, it's an obligation. Oh, you don't want to disappoint. Oh, you blah, 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 blah whatever the things are. Yeah. And so just like that, it's like, to me, that's a self-abandonment, right? And that's okay. Like it's, it's okay to do that. But when we have a lifetime of that buildup, then we become really detached from our own like inner knowing.
1: I am so curious on your, this is something I have struggled with at different points in the business journey of having something I'm excited about but then the business marketing side of me is like, you need to validate this idea. You need market research. You need to see what do people like within this idea? What for you is the balance of when you want to actually create something that is going to be profit generating, right? The balance of taking an account like, yes, you have this idea, but how do I make it suitable for the market? But also not waiting for others' validation to move on what you feel called to do. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah to me it's in what you said it's in the not waiting Mm -hmm. right so it's creating it and birthing it and then tweaking Mm -hmm. and iterating right like to me I can fall into the trap I used to do this much more and now not so much, but like really falling into the trap of like, it's got to be perfect. And so, when I launch it or when I release it or when I offer it, like we're talking about a a business offering, right. In this example, like when I offer it, it's got to be like fully baked. Mm -hmm. I have to have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And I have to have the messaging that is like, I've got to nail it. Yeah. And I'll know that I've nailed it because I'm going to hit this number goal right? Like this many people say yes, or this much money comes in at the launch or whatever the thing is. Right. And so for me, I've really, and I'm in the process of launching something soon. And it's, it's a really different way of launching because it's like iterative. It's like, okay, I am going to do the very best I can right now, knowing it's totally imperfect. And then I'm going to be off to the races and I'm going to be in it. And I'm going to see, and I'm going to ask people for their feedback and I'm going to see, and I'm not going to take, I'm going to take some of the feedback, but I'm not going to take all the feedback because I got to make the decision and this is my offering. So it has to also work for me. Right. And so there's this like dance between being in sacred service to your client and wanting to offer something that is valuable for them and honoring myself in the process and like, like, where's the overlap there? But, you know, it's really letting go of a lot of the like metrics, like gripping on to the, you know, this is what success will look like for this launch. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I can intend for that. I can have the numbers and I can intend for that. And I can gut check if they're realistic or not. Right. Like if I'm launching something online and online conversion rates are typically 1% and based on the number of people that I'm showing it to, if I want to get, you know, a thousand people, but like, that would be a conversion rate of 50%. It's like, well, then that's not realistic, right? So I think sometimes it's gut checking that whatever success metrics you're holding yourself to are actually um, viable for where you're at in your business and the assets that you have, you know, the other piece to me is really relinquishing that it be perfect and allowing it to grow mm-hmm.
1: which is so hard <laughs> for recovering perfectionists, which I know a lot of us are where we're like even though nothing is ever perfect we have this big sense of control when we feel like we've done all the things we've checked all the boxes and yeah. so putting something out especially as an entrepreneur because it's no longer you know your job your company your company you work workforce thing like okay well it's their name on it no it's like your need yeah. It has to be good. Otherwise, if it's not good, then I'm not good.
2: Right. Right. There's a really, there's like, there can be no shred of sunlight that seat that gets in, in between there between like our identity mm-hmm. and our company or our offerings. Right. Yeah. I have a friend who um, owns car washes in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and we were talking about his business and just to listen to him, talk about his business and what he was working on and the challenges everything was so detached from him mm. it was as if the business were like another entity out yeah. here and he could look at it and observe it and go well that part's not working mm-hmm. but he didn't identify with it right it's car washes right it's a lot
1: easier <laughs> no. to do when it's a product or a car wash. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so I think of that from time to time and I get inspired by that because, you know, I think when we are our businesses and when we're doing work, that's heart centered work yeah, and, it, and we feel very much in our purpose and in our contribution in our work. Sometimes we identify too, too closely wow. with how the, the like business is going because yeah. it is just, it is also, like just a business. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, how can I see this like a car wash?
1: Mm, I like that. I love that. I'm going to use that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and something else when you were talking about your transition from your first business to the work that you do now, and realizing, okay, I built this business, but I essentially built what I didn't want when I started this journey. How? You talk one first question, part of the question is you talked about, you know, spending a lot of time retreats and vaccinating coaches, et cetera, the equivalent of a Harvard MBA. Do you believe that that's sort the of level of investment and in time is required when you're kind of starting over and recreating something? I,
2: I don't know how to answer that because for me it was, but I yeah. don't believe that that's true for everyone. And I certainly don't want people going, oh, well, she must've had so much money to invest at Harvard and MEA. Like I didn't, yes. like I did not, you know, it was like I was investing money I didn't have. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need to do. And sometimes that is not what you need to do. And it's not a requirement to go so big all the time. Mm. It's only a requirement to say yes to the next one thing that crosses your path, that calls to you.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. How did you, I understood understood your business, obviously was feeling like the pressure cooker, but how did you take the little steps of, Okay, I'm gonna go on this retreat um, to, to ultimately lead you to the work that you're doing now. And this was com- something completely different. Like, did you have self? I'm imagining you had moments of like doubting or, "Am I doing this right?" Like, what was your gut check to know? Okay, I'm I'm taking the right next step and the right next step and the right next step and the right next step. And even though I have no idea what I'm doing here, this is completely new space for me. I'm learning something completely new and managing that discomfort
2: there was no like cerebral knowing mm-hmm. there was no like oh this strategy is sound like yeah. <laughs> at all right so there was a lot of doubt that I had about like is this smart mm-hmm. you know like is this a wise thing to do I don't know like I have a family like I don't yeah you know like we moved from New York to Los Angeles because we wanted to all of my clients were based in New York mm-hmm. right or silicon valley but not la and and yet like we wanted to so we followed that inner pull to something new so there was an inner knowing yeah an inner trusting enough to do that even though the mind was really doubtful and when i was kind of rejiggering redirecting my um business focus, you know, that was scary because in order to clear space to, for something new to grow, even though I didn't know what the new thing was going to be, I had to bring down my time commitments in my work, right? Like I was working with all these brands and the projects were really involved and they took a lot of time. And I approach them with a lot of pressure. So, um, they took a lot of energy in that way. And so I decided to take my company down to downsize it and to stop taking so many clients. And I took a financial hit that I did not believe I could withstand, but I, but I'm here. And I did that because I at least had the certainty in my soul of, these things that I'm doing, whether it's going on a retreat or learning, growing in a new way, growing in a personal way, I feel so alive that it's undeniable. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that's going to become yet, but I I have to follow it. I just felt compelled to. And so I literally brought my um, business revenue down by two thirds while I was kind of it made space to learn and grow and do things um I charge things on the credit cards you know um to like go to this retreat or like I just I just did it right. and I'm not saying that you know go into debt but like sometimes debt can be a tool also you know I'm not a financial advisor in any way shape or form but you know we have one shot at this life and I just I don't know the the feeling of being so alive, and so drawn to things and so inspired by them, like it was unshakable. And so I didn't know anything, but I knew I had to follow that.
1: Well, thank you for following that. When I was uh, looking, when I came across the event that reconnected us, I was looking for more spaces to have not, I don't want to hear about another like sales strategy. Like I know how to sell I know how to write, I don't need any of that just to have real conversation. And that is definitely what you created at that event. And we know that's what you're creating in your membership. So can you tell us a little bit more about the membership, how it works, how we can learn more?
2: Yeah. So, you know, there's so much that I've learned on my journey that has allowed me to like, just shift so much of my experience. And so some of the things that I've learned are really practical Um, in terms of leading a meeting, oh my God, I was, you know, the top salesperson at the agency and that's why they awarded me a partner. Right. So like I came into entrepreneurship being like, I know how to sell. Right. Like, and yet for myself, it was a totally different game. Right. And I had to learn how to master selling without selling yourself, Mm -hmm. holding bound tighter boundaries. Right. Like I remember working for the agency and clients, um, you know, asking for more than was scoped and like things like that. And, you know, the eight, it would be like, how does the agency Mm -hmm. respond to that? Right. But when it's you, (laughs) it's very different. Right. And so learning how to, how to navigate difficult situations, difficult clients, sales conversations, money, like all of these things, when you're doing it on behalf of yourself is a learned skill that I had never learned. So with the membership, it really centers on a a private mobile app that I've developed. And the app has a library of content. And there's right now, there's over 150 pieces of content and they're all short form. So they're five to 15 minutes long and they're practical lessons. How do you deal with a difficult, difficult client? What happens when someone asks for more than you're willing to give professionally? Like, how do you handle that? So some of the... Audios are really practical in nature, and others are really about shifting your mindset. Be one that honors your inner experience. Mm. The membership is available to anyone from anywhere. You can listen. There's no like order to listen to things in, there's no track to follow, there's no course. To complete, it's on demand. And the library is always growing because I'm always growing and learning, and because the community asks for things. If a woman asks for um, a topic, and I think it can serve more people, then I'll record on that. There's access to this beautiful, living, breathing content library. And then once a month, we have, I call it a clarity circle, we do them over Zoom. And it's really a hybrid of a workshop and a women's circle. And it's only for women entrepreneurs. The workshop part of it, you, it's so simple. I love it. You bring the one thing that's weighing on you the most. And that's what you workshop. You bring your journal and a pen and the one thing weighing on you the most. I lead a series of prompts. You do it right then and there. So everybody's doing it together. You don't have to share it if you don't want to. And then I open it up. Maybe you're sharing and you get to be witnessed, or maybe you're listening and you get to hold space for the other women and you get to learn through them. And, you know, something that I've discovered in working with so many women entrepreneurs is that our industries are different. The things that we are curious about and fascinated by and turn us on are different. We're all unique in those ways, but the things that keep us up at night are all the same. (laughs) Right. So in that way, you know, if you're at a clarity circle, you're getting to hear what other women are up against and there's always medicine in that for you. And so it's really, it's a beautiful thing. They happen once a month and they're recorded. So if you can't make it live, the membership is $40 a month. So it's the most accessible thing yeah. that I've ever done. I'm totally on fire about it. I love it so much. There's more that happens in the membership, but I'm like not going to go into the whole, whole big thing. But those are really like the two kind of anchors in it. I
1: love it. I am so excited. Where can we find more about you, more about the membership?
2: Uh, you can learn more on my website, elizabethcannon.com. My last name is... Is spelled with one N, -N C-A-N-O-N. If you go to Elizabeth Cannon slash membership, then you'll see more about that in particular.
1: Perfect. Thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing, for sharing your story, for sharing the lessons. There are so many gems here I know are going to help a lot of people. I'm going to re-listen to this episode myself because, as you know, we learn the same lessons in different ways at each new level of our journey. So it's always helpful for me to hear another perspective. Sometimes the way someone says something that you already know or you've heard just sparks it differently. So thank you so much for sharing today. Mm,
2: thank you. Thank you for creating um, this space, for serving women in this way. Um, I think it's, it's really like, it's such a blessing. And it's so fun to be able to be here and be in a conversation like this. It lights me up. Like I'm gonna be smiling after we hang up.
1: Thank you, Elizabeth.
2: I hope
0: this episode gives you more clarity and proof that you can create a life you truly love. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to connect and serve those who are ready to use their ideas and experiences to positively impact the lives of others. If you want to connect more, follow me on Instagram at The